yes, so we are live now on our YouTube channel. So we are ready to go ahead. Great. Okay. Hello and a very heartfelt welcome to all of you here to our live podcast on the theme that we have chosen for today, Understanding Porn Addiction. My name is Priyanka Bhattacharji, and I'm a practicing clinical psychologist working with BlockerX team powered by Atmana. Just to tell you a very brief about BlockerX, it's one of the very upcoming and highest rating apps working exclusively in helping people recover from porn addiction. Uh, there's a slight power cut on my side, but we'll go ahead with the session. So porn addiction currently is, has been a very growing concern uh, with a lot of factors involved in terms of easy accessibility to the internet, easy availability, a lot of unsupervised internet usage among children and adolescents, and thus porn consumption is really growing worldwide. Research has been giving us very surprising studies and a very important research by American Psychological Association has you know, mentioned that the first exposure to online pornography has come to 13.37 years of age. And in fact, a lot of unnamed research has also given us the data that it's in fact 11 years of age. And the youngest exposure being five years of age. Yes, I mean, it's completely stunning and it's completely surprising to see certain uh, you know, research findings. And with this particular pandemic situation, probably the, uh, the porn consumption behavior has really doubled and it has really filled up to something even more great. So to talk on this particular topic, we are very pleased to have with us Dr. Nicholas Nissen. So Dr. Nissen, a very warm welcome and so much, uh, and we are so much glad that you are collaborating us with, uh, with BlockerX on this particular topic on, the, on our first podcast. I'll just give a very brief about Dr. Nissen. Dr. Nissen is an American physician, author, and an influencer. He is a clinical fellow in the Department of Psychiatry at Howard Medical School and a correspondent for ABC News with frequent media preferences. He's the host of the Brain Health with Dr. Nissen podcast, where he discusses very promising and latest evidence-based approaches for enhancing mental health, sharpening cognition, and optimizing performance. So Dr. Nissen, thank you so much. And it will be a great uh, experience for all our listeners, all our viewers uh, to uh, know, hear from you. So to begin with the session, I may request you to please share your experience and insight of working with individuals with porn addiction. Hey Priyanka, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I'm I'm happy to to discuss a little bit about that. So I think that actually one of my first interests in the mental health space in general was the problem of porn use. So it was something that you know myself as a millennial growing up during this age where we are having you know access to the internet. Um, as a young adult in college, uh, I. I, I saw it as a huge problem uh, with with my friends and with everyone, you know, all sort of young men my same age, we were all like, hey, you know, this pornography thing um, is, is problematic. And even though I've said to myself, I, I don't want to do this or I need to cut it back, that um, it's a difficult thing to do. And so um, I actually in college uh, was part of this kind of informal group of, of guys that would get together and would try to support one another to, uh, you know, to check in and make sure that 
that uh, that nobody you know relapses and that everyone stays clean. And I learned a lot from that. Um, and um, and as I went on to uh, do my rotations in addiction psychiatry and seeing people that were dealing with heroin addictions or alcohol addictions, I was seeing that they were using the exact same things that that my friends were using in in college um, to uh, to to stay away from porn and to to stay clean from pornography. So. Um, as I've gone on now to my clinical work, uh, I do a lot of work with adolescents and, and children uh, who need to be, you know, hospitalized psychiatrically. And, um, you know, I, one concerning thing that I've had in particular is uh, coming up, uh, you know, meeting a lot of young kids who have mental health struggles you know, symptoms like ADHD, symptoms like depression that are likely uh, related to their porn their pornography use. Um, but then I've also come across some more extreme cases of, of um, adolescents who have had abnormal uh, paraphilias, who have had dangerous paraphilias, which we can talk more about later. Um, so it's just, it's gotten me very concerned. And I think that it's really an unprecedented issue in the age of the smartphone that, you know, for the first time ever, there's unlimited free access to pornography to anyone anywhere that is of you know wide ranging um, amounts of uh you know different content dangerous content um so i th i think it's something for everyone to be mindful of and very careful about absolutely i think you have really touched on very critical points talking about it all since mental health and how internet has been very much easily accessible to you know everyone and i guess the discussion about understanding porn addiction i guess it's a very long procedure i think it's very difficult to you know sum up everything in just one hour of a session but i will definitely you know address things gradually and you know we'll plan things in the upcoming sessions that's really you know uh, very important things to talk regarding porn addictions yeah, so uh, I think going ahead with this, uh, the nature of the sessions, you know, what we get to hear from a lot of users who are, who have been our users of uh, BlockRex application, who have registered themselves uh, while they are into the recovery process of porn addiction, they come up with us very, you know, usual, uh, you know, questions. And as a clinical psychologist, we do get, you know, clients. We have a lot of people, you know, asking certain questions, you know, how they go about. It. So as a uh, you know, clinical professional, like, do you think that there are certain factors which make an individual more prone to develop this porn addiction? What is your take on that? Yeah, well, uh, certainly there are, there are a couple different factors. Um, the, the first one I would say is, what is your relationship with your phone and with the internet? And so for people that are living more, um, you know, internet based lives there that are um, using their phone regularly or or just, you know, spending a lot of time uh, alone on the internet in the room, they're at higher risk of interacting with pornography. Pornography, um, it, it taps into the exact same sort of dopamine circuits that are tapped into in people that have digital addictions or phone addictions. And so for people that are, uh, they're feeling like in general, they're having trouble stepping away from social media or having trouble controlling um, how often they're playing uh, online video games or, or other things like that. Um, you're, uh, you know, you're at higher risk of, of being in an environment where you can relapse on pornography or that you can come across a trigger to use pornography. Um, so that's, uh, that's definitely some you know, a group that would be higher risk, people that use, you know, that live a more digital lifestyle. And the second group of people I would say are people that are 
that are um, alone and that are not that don't have a partner. Uh, so you know the reality is there is a strong biological impulse for all uh, for all people and especially for males to um, you know to procreate and to um, to you know to to be sexual and so uh it's it's a natural thing to have that that drive and if you're living a lonely life and if you're not having that regular interaction with a with another partner um you know it's it's uh, it puts you at higher risk of looking for that elsewhere and um you know you can sort of briefly tap into satisfying your body's sort of biological need through the the cycle of uh, pornography and masturbation, but what it actually ends up doing is worsening your your social skills, worsening your uh, you know your your abilities to actually have have real sexual interactions in, in a real physical world. Um, so it, it it puts you at higher risk. So those would be two groups of people that I would say are are you know generally at risk: people that live very digital lives and people who are unpartnered. And then the third thing that I would say is young people, and that's just because there's such a strangeness and sense in such a sort of forbidden fruit sort of quality about pornography that for young people who, you know, that have parents that are trying to, uh, you know, protect them from things and say, you know, Oh, don't look at that. Stay away from that. You know, it, it sort of grows the amount of the, the allure of pornography. And so for young people who don't have a lot of self-control, um, it can be very dangerous, uh, to, to be exposed to pornography at that age when you're really, you don't physically have the, the the structures in your brain and your prefrontal cortex to be to, to be able to you know inhibit your own um, uh, you know instincts. You don't have the wisdom to to stop yourself. So those would be three groups who I'd say are particularly particularly at risk. Right, right. So I think you know that is again you know uh, talking about role of parents and things like that. So and the impact pornography you know has on an individual's life is so much multifaceted, and it has an impact on the entire social functional uh, you know mechanism of the individual, right? So in the uh, you know similar line of thoughts, like what do you think should be the role of the you know the kind of support system an individual requires while you know in the recovery process from porn addiction? Yeah, a, a support system is very, very important. And um, I think probably the most important support person that somebody can have is a sponsor. And so this is something that that is seen in the recovery world for all sorts of addictions, um, you know, for alcohol addiction or heroin addiction, cocaine addiction. Uh, it's very common for people in, in groups like Alcoholics Anonymous to get a sponsor who uh, checks in with them people that they can uh, speak to about their their triggers, about their vulnerable environments and who will hold them accountable. So it's a lot more difficult, you know, to relapse on pornography if you know, oh, crap, you know, tomorrow I have my meeting with my sponsor. And like, you know, even though I'm really having this desire right now, I, you know, I, I don't want to tell them tomorrow that I uh, that I relapsed. So it's it's it can be a really strong way to deter yourself from using. So that's one of the most important things, kind of like what I described with my college friends is, you know, um, it could be a group of your friends or buddies or it could be somebody um, who you don't know very well. And, and you know, using a resource like Blocker X that where you can find a, a sponsor um, is a really good way to to hold yourself accountable. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so, and a couple more things I would say about the importance of a sponsor. Uh, one thing that I mentioned is sharing with them 
your vulnerable environments. So these are environments where where you know that you've relapsed in the past. Maybe you tend to relapse after you've had a couple of drinks of alcohol, which is very common. Maybe you tend to relapse when you're home alone. And so um, a vulnerable environment would be for you when your when your partner leaves town or when your roommate um, you know is gone. Um, Maybe another vulnerable environment would be when you're sad, when something doesn't go too well at work or at school. So if you have somebody who, you know, who's your sponsor and you know that you're going into a vulnerable environment and you say, hey, this weekend I'm home alone and you text them or give them a heads up, then they can check in with you and, and see, you know, over the weekend, hey, are you you doing OK? I know this is a, a period when you're more likely to relapse. Um, similarly, you can share with them what your triggers are, um, whether it be certain social medias or accounts on social medias, whether it be certain film or video that you watch, um, you know, that that you can check in with them and say, Hey, I just saw this person, or I just saw this thing and it, and it really triggered me. And I just want to let you know about that, that right now I'm sort of feeling, you know, at higher risk. So having a, um, a sponsor is very important. And then, you know, in addition to that, I think that there's some really great community, um, mm -hmm. in the, the sort of porn recovery connection, um, community just like there is in the addiction recovery community so um whether it be online connecting with others that are having this issue uh like like what uh, you can do on blocker x or um you know a lot of people have um heard of the nofap communities all the the nofap sort of social media accounts to to comment about th about your urges or about your streak and how long you've been going and to interact with other people that are also uh, interacting it's just a way to you know kind of uh, hold yourself accountable and and share with others in your recovery in a way that's really, really supportive and really powerful. Right. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of times it's, we see, uh, you know, the kind of uh, support group, uh, you know, impacts the individual. And most importantly, I think I've heard a lot of times uh, hearing from the individuals with porn addiction, they feel normalized. That's, I think, one of the very important feelings right. experience that, you know, I'm not the only person to be experiencing this, to be going through this particular hardship. I know, I mean, it's extremely difficult for the person who is undergoing porn addiction as well. So, yeah, I think uh, talking in the similar lines of, uh, you know, having a support group, having a peer, you know, uh, support, uh, a lot of times users and a lot of time clients, they come up and say, and, you know, uh, we also see the role of partners. So that is often a question that, you know, what should be the role of partners? At the same time, it is also growing concern for the mental health of the partner. I mean, a lot of times the partner comes in with the mental health condition because his or her partner is a porn addict. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the first line of contact is actually the partner, okay, because their partner is the monitor. Uh, mm -hmm. So, according to you, what should be the role of a, you know, a partner or what best a partner could do or what should a partner do in a particular situation when they find out that, you know, their uh, spouse, their, their living partner, they, you know, he or she is having porn addiction? Yeah. Well, um it's it's very important to communicate as a, as a partner uh, because um, sometimes people can have limited insight into how big of a problem that this is for them. And so, if you can make it known that um, you know in what ways you see it as an issue, so some some ways that that partners might notice this is if their you know if their partner who's using pornography has either 
premature ejaculation or erectile dysfunction, um, but also, and probably maybe even the more common thing, is that there's kind of abnormal sexual behaviors that the partner uses, and it's something that maybe they see or they watch um, on on a video, and maybe it's masochistic or sort of like uh, violent, and it's actually a problem. And something that I see clinically is, you know, um, people that are uh, have alleged, you know, sexual assault claims against them because they, um, you know acted more aggressively in a sexual situation with somebody just because they're acting in the way that they're seeing on the on the pornography and um it's and in reality you know uh that might not be something that that your partner likes or if it's a new partner it might it might scare them and they might you know call the police um so so that's something that's really you know uh something for the the, the partner to to notice and to voice about if they feel uncomfortable. But secondly, I would say, you know, it's it's good for a partner to sort of assess how much the the porn user knows that their problem is is a problem. And so, um, you know, there's a few ways to do this in psychiatry. You know, one of the ways to do this is through motivational interviewing. So what you can ask is say, how big of a problem is porn for you from a scale of one to 10? So this is something that's used in motivational interviewing for, for addictions. And, you know, normally people, they don't say oh, it's a one, it's, um, it's not a problem or it's a 10. It's, you know, a, an enormous problem. Normally they say, well, it's an eight or it's a six um, or it's a three. And so what you can do is you can ask, well, why is it not a one? Why is your pornography not you know, no problem for you. Normally then you can get them to acknowledge, well, I don't think it's a big problem for me, but I said it's a, I said it's a three because I guess I do see that, you know, it makes you feel uncomfortable sometimes how I act in the bedroom or, um, you know, or I, uh, I've spent too much time on it and I'm not meet, meeting my goals and my work or in my, you know, mm -hmm. schoolwork. So um, by asking them, why is their number a three or a five instead of a one or a zero, you'll mm -hmm. start to help them to, you know, name the ways that they're noticing that it's an issue and you can support them in that. And then also, um, you know, in th ways that they miss, you can bring it up, be like, well, hey, um, I, I hear you mention those things and what, what impact do you think it's also maybe having on your, um, your productivity when you're at home or in your as you're working from home during the pandemic how is this a, you know impacting your your goals your professional goals um mm -hmm. so those are a few ways and then of course if it is a a really big problem and it's something where um you know where it's uh getting either very dangerous or or you're feeling unsafe or you think that they might be unsafe then it may be the case that it's an emergency and that you need to get you know emergency medical uh help True. I mean, uh, that's the insight level is so important because a lot of times, you know, individuals who are themselves, you know, under the, uh, you know, porn consumption behavior, they don't see it as a problem until and unless, you know, uh, the partner or the family members or the relatives, friends, they raise a, you know, red flag. A lot of times we see that, although it's equally true that the individual realizes themselves too. But yes, I mean, uh, you know, developing that insight is so important. Mm -hmm. uh, well, uh, you know, people say that uh, consumption of uh, pornography or watching porn or, you know, having a porn addiction has to do with an individual's self-esteem. And it's a two-way relationship. 
you know, maybe the individual has a lower self-esteem and it's a kind of a compensation process. Or, you know, a person being an addict, addict of uh, pornography, that leads to, you know, uh, self-esteem. So what is what is your take on that? Yeah, well, I think um, one way that's helpful to think about this, and I'm sure it will come up later in our conversation, is how are ways that pornography is is like drugs that people like to use and abuse? And um, so the initial stages of pornography uh, use, you know, when you're just, you come across something that triggers you and then you start to Google or, or search for, for images or videos, and then you, you know, you click on one and then you click on another one, you're on the chase, you're on the hunt. And this is a, a neurologically, it's, it's the dopamine, you know, uh, sort of predominant sort of state that you're in, you have elevated dopamine, you're on the hunt to go and to go and get. And that's an exciting sort of feeling in your body, your your heart rate will go up, you'll, um, you know, maybe feel a, a little bit um, more sort of uh, curious, you'll feel more energized. Um, so people can get sort of addicted to that sensation. And it's very similar, like, um, you know, comparing to drugs is very similar to using cocaine or using another stimulant, that first cool. phase of, of using pornography. Um, and so you get all this excitement build up. And in people that are using pornography regularly, I mean, they're getting very serious, you know, sort of dopamine surges on a daily basis, just like somebody who uses cocaine every day would would have. And so um, one of the ways that, that people describe what it's like to be on cocaine, to be mm -hmm. high on cocaine is they feel powerful. You know, you feel like, you feel like the boss, you know, you feel cool. And that's, that's what happens. That's what people describe in the beginning of a pornography sort of binge too. It's like, as they're, you know, looking at this exciting stuff and, and it's, you know, making them feel kind of more, um, you know, interested and energized, um, you know, it, it feels a little powerful at first. And so for people that have low self esteem, you know, it can be sort of a dangerous thing to feel like you are on top of the world and sort of, you know, for whoever's looking at you through the video or it feels like they're looking at you, you know, you feel empowered. And especially if you live a very lonely life or if you live a, a life that where you have low self-esteem or feel very not powerful, it's a cheap and easy way to get that quick sensation. But it's just like, you know, getting a line of cocaine and getting that, you know, as, as a way to sort of boost your, your self-confidence. I think most people know that's probably not very healthy and that there's other healthier ways to get that sensation. And another thing that we can talk about later is, well, what's the downsides to that? You know, hey, if, if I have low self self-esteem then what's the downside to to getting a little boost every now and then through pornography and it's the, it's that there is a withdrawal syndrome there's the post nut mm. syndrome that happens which is why probably a lot of you are watching mm. it because it feels terrible yeah. after you relapse and 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 in a lot of ways it mimics withdrawal from cocaine so mm depression is very common in people as they're withdrawing from cocaine or other stimulants. And it's exactly what you see in people that have pornography, regular pornography use is that they're, they may feel a bit lower energy, a bit depressed, um, you know, in the period that they're, um, you know, just reco recovering from their uh, porn addiction. So um, yeah, those are a couple of thoughts of 
the yes, impact. Yes, I mean, this was, I guess, uh, I think you have touched mm -hmm. the most critical point that we were actually, you know, landing up in this particular discussion when you talked about this mental health comorbidities. And you can definitely take up this, you know, the self-esteem concerns as a post-nut syndrome and uh, situations like that. And because there are two reasons. Number one, of course, I can see one of the, uh, you know, participants commenting on you know uh, having anxiety issues uh, i'll just go quickly scroll up to the thing to the question you know uh, asking about this anxiety issues related to you know porn addiction and mm -hmm. in general we see that you know people do not consider porn addiction to have a kind of you know mental health impact they see it as an you know, individual things and separate things and mental health having their own levels of stigmas in different parts of the world and along with that porn addiction having different amount of hesitation operating across different parts of the world. I think you can really elaborate a little bit more on you know how porn addiction and mental health concerns and what kind of mental health concerns we mostly see among the porn addicts. You can really you know uh, speak a little more on that. That would be very uh, you know, interesting for our listeners too. Absolutely. So you know as we were talking a bit about the role of dopamine, um, uh, you know this is uh, something that's the, that's the case for pornography use, just like it is for a social media or digital addiction, is that a lot of these systems are built, you know, to to get that dopamine hit that we want. And, um, you know, I'm, it's something that that people are probably aware of. But nevertheless, we all fall into this. I fall into this, too. You know, I have social media accounts and you get the little the little excitement, the little, you know, um, sense of empowerment that happens when something is liked or commented on or uh, you also get that as you're, you know, searching for something and you're finding something a little more and more exciting, um, you know, in the instance of pornography of going from looking at maybe a picture that's a little bit exciting and then to one video that's exciting and then to one that's a little bit more. Um, you get, a, you, get um, you know, addicted to this to this surge of dopamine and, and a lot of the symptoms that it creates mirror those of ADHD. So attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And, um, you know, so in people that feel like they're having difficulty concentrating, that um, that are feeling like they're having difficulty staying on a task, um, that are having difficulty reading or doing another, you know, uh, task like that where you have to have prolonged attention, you know, these, these uh, systems are created, social media is created and um, you know, and, and uh, the videos and pornography are created so that uh, are, we are we are being trained to have less and less prolonged attention. And so this gives us the symptoms of, of ADHD. So for people that feel like, yeah, I'm actually having difficulty concentrating, uh, I'm feeling like I need to switch from one task to another, um, that that might be related to your pornography use and um, and to social media use, you know, something like TikTok, where the videos only last, you know, 15 or 30 seconds. It's it's you know, we're getting trained to have shorter and shorter attention spans. Um, and then I would say, um, you know, the other mental health issue that I sort of mentioned is depression. And so, you know, I think both from a, a biochemical sort of standpoint, uh, you're you're at higher risk of, of developing depression because you're coming down from this dopamine surge, which is just like what happens when you're withdrawing from cocaine. You can feel sort of you feel tired afterwards. You feel um, you know low motivation because your body is used to having higher you have higher tolerance for dopamine. Um, but in addition, you're at higher risk for having uh, 
depression because you feel like crap about yourself. You feel like I'm such a loser because, you know, I said a million times I, w- I wasn't going to do this and here I am again. And here I'm laying by myself and I don't have, you know, a girlfriend or, or a wife or a partner. Um, and, you know, it. so both biochemically you can be at higher risk for depression, but also psychologically you can feel very, um, you know, disempowered and it, it just decreases your self-esteem like we spoke about before. So I think ADHD and depression are probably the most um, common uh, psychological or mental health impacts. But another one that I really want to mention is paraphilias. So abnormal sexual desires. I've had several patients now who are young you know, adolescents or young adults who either uh, have developed an interest in bestiality, so sexual, you know, sort of interactions with animals, um, or uh, extreme masochism, where uh, to the point of, uh, of, you know, needing to see blood in order to feel, uh, uh, you know, sexually aroused. And for both of them, it was hugely, I mean, they they felt very embarrassed about it. They felt very uh, worried about it, because, you know, in order for, um, for the, these two people I'm thinking about, in order for them to, you know, feel sexually aroused at all, they had to engage with things that were either very disgusting and embarrassing to them, uh, or that were very dangerous and that are, you know, possibly incriminating. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a major risk with all of this that that needs to be kept in mind. Sure. And uh, we could talk a little bit about why that is. Why, why do, do people develop paraphilias? Um, <laughs> Um, I don't. I don't want to get too too out of order here. If you have another question, but would you mind if I speak a little bit please, about please, that? Please, please. Okay. Yeah, please, please. Yeah. So, so there's been, um, you know, I, I spoke about tolerance. So tolerance mm-hmm. is what happens when um, your body gets used to a certain substance, and it doesn't um, it doesn't stimulate you in the same way that it did. So if you think about alcohol users, you know, it might start that you you know get a buzz on one or two drinks. But as you use more and more, your enzymes in your liver that break them down, uh, you know, are less effective to, at breaking down alcohol. And so before you know it, you have people who have alcoholism who are, mm-hmm. you know, consuming 20 drinks a day and they're still, you know, standing and not like knocked out. Um, your body's really good at tolerance. And similarly, you can develop a dopamine tolerance or a sexual tolerance where you, um, you know, uh, in order to be aroused, uh, you have to consume either more and more or more extreme and more novel sort of content. So there's this one study that was done. Um, I can maybe share share it with you later, but where they sure. they they measured um, the the rate of erections in men as they were watching a a pornographic video. And sure enough, it was high at the beginning. And then as they watched it around the 10th time, almost nobody got an erection anymore because it wasn't novel anymore. It wasn't exciting. And then what they did around the 18th time that they viewed it is they changed the video for something new, something different. And what happened, it, you know, everyone returned to having an erection again. And so it shows that human beings um, that are being exposed to pornography, they need to constantly be exposed to something novel, something new in order to be aroused. And the danger of that is that you start with watching some sort of quote unquote regular, you know, sexual encounter that's maybe just a couple in a bedroom. And then, then maybe, oh, this next one, it's a little new because, um, 
you know, maybe the female looks a little different. Um, maybe they look a little younger. And then you get, you start, you know, going down this path until you need to be exposed to more and more different, more and more, in this case, younger sort of, you know, uh, characters and people in the, in the uh, video to then where the only way that you can get aroused is watching, you know, like child pornography or something like that. That's extremely dangerous and problematic. And that again would be another paraphilia, pedophilia. So anyways, that's one of the dangers, one of the serious mental health dangers of, of pornography is uh, paraphilias or abnormal sexual desires. Sure, absolutely. So, uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, people come and ask, like, you know, what are the common distracting techniques? I mean, definitely, it's very difficult to just pinpoint on a few and uh, particularly, you know, certain, you know, uh, thumb rule approaches or approaches they which always work best. But, you know, uh, working in, with this population for some time now and, you know, dealing with cert certain clients, what do you think, according to you, are, you know, certain uh, distracting techniques which... Uh, which might be really helpful for the you know people dealing with porn addiction. Yeah, so I think it's important to think about where we are in the relapse phase. Mm -hmm. So um, something that I like to talk about is you know the process and how it always goes when people relapse. First, you have a vulnerable environment. So I mm -hmm. spoke about that before. Maybe you are at higher risk when you're alone mm -hmm. or when you just had a few drinks. It's your vulnerable environment. Then you have a trigger. You come across mm -hmm. something like on social media or a video or a person that triggers you to be, you know, kind of interested in maybe sure. watching porn. So then you have an initial, for a lot of people, it's an innocent thought. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, I wonder if there's something out there about that person. I wonder, um, I wonder what's, um, I wonder if there's a, a photo out there or something, mm -hmm. you know, that's maybe not fully, I'm going to go watch pornography right now. But mm -hmm. So it starts with this sort of innocent thought. Um, and then as you put yourself, as you dip your toe into that, then you get what I call the physiological cascade. That's when your dopamine rush starts because now you're on the hunt, you know, yeah. you, you thought it's just an innocent thought and, and now you're, um, you're, you're looking at photos and then you find a video and then you, it brings you to another video and you're getting this rush. You're having an increased heart rate. You're feeling sort of excited and curious. Um, and then around this time is when you start to get some some inhibitory thoughts from your prefrontal yeah. cortex, a part of your brain that's designed to keep you from doing stupid, stupid stuff. And it's trying to, you know, it might say, oh, you said you wouldn't do this or, oh, you know, you know that you always relapse when you go to this site or whatever. Um, uh, and then um, usually people after that have a free fall statement, which is, the, yeah. you know, screw it. I, you know, it's too late or at one time wouldn't be enough. You know, it's the thing that you did to go past the inhibitory thought. And then you, you know, you relapsed and then you have the post nut syndrome afterwards. So that is the, the cycle. And so, um, when you're talking about what are the best distracting techniques? Well, the best thing is to, first of all, not be in a vulnerable environment, right? Mm -hmm. So you can avoid, you know, cause if you're, if you need a distracting technique, that means that you're already maybe, uh, have been triggered and are maybe in the the physiological or the chemical cascade phase, right? We want to avoid that, first of all, by mm -hmm. removing your vulnerable environments. Um, you know, so that can be done by, you know, blocking certain websites, using different apps, by having a sponsor who supports you, right? But then if you do get triggered and you're, um, you know, and you have the 
the innocent thought of, oh, I'm going to go see what's out there. Um, then, and you're starting to feel sort of the chemical cascade, you're feeling the excitement and you're like, oh, this is dangerous. I need to distract myself. Then there are a few things that you can do. And mm. so one thing that I think is probably the most easy for people to, to do is to remember the phrase, to change your psychology, change your physiology, right? right. So to, to change your mind, you need to mm -hmm. change your body. And by changing how your body feels, you'll change what your mind is thinking about. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, there are some ways that you can very quickly change how your, how your body is and, and it will impact your brain and what you're thinking about. One of the ways would be to do an intense exercise suddenly. Mm -hmm. So you're having this urge and if you just fall to the ground and you do as many push-ups as you can until you literally just fall on the ground, you will not be thinking about pornography. <laughs> you will be breathing hard sure. and you will be thinking about, you know, what a good set of push-ups that was. So that can be a really good quick, you know, break, um, really quick change in the system, right? Another one would be to, uh, to get exposed to cold water. So to put your face in the sink um, or to take a cold shower, you know, you do a, a, a really cold shower and you will not be thinking about pornography. Um, uh, you know, similarly, go outside, go for a jog, um, things like that. Um, so those are some really, you know, easy ways at home. Uh, a... Another way is to make it impossible for yourself to use porn. So mm -hmm. the way that I suggest is to go to a public space. So if you're feeling triggered or thinking about using porn, grab your stuff and go to a coffee shop and start working there, right? right? Grab your stuff, go to the library and start working there. Um, go over to a friend's house or to a family member's house. It's, it sure. will be impossible for you to use pornography in, in these environments, and, and so that will help to you know, control you. Um, and then the last thing I would say is to get busy. So there's a phrase that's, that a lot of people maybe have heard of, and it's common in the, in the addiction community, mm -hmm. which is idle time is a devil's playground. Devil's, right. Yeah. So, you know, when we have too much time, mm -hmm. we do stupid stuff, right? So we want to um, fill up our time and the more busy we are, we'll find that we'll use porn less. Right, so, right. Yeah. I think this is the very reason why, you know, porn addiction, I think had reason really uh, multifaceted, particularly during the pandemic situation. Because people were locked down, mm -hmm. people were not having much things to do around. They had a lot of leisure time, I think. And internet was very much easily accessible. So I guess this is one of the major reasons why during pandemic, it had really the number of porn addiction cases have really risen so much. Yep. Right? True. I think this uh, this particular uh, technique, which you have said, uh, this uh, tips, they are going to be really helpful because I had seen a lot of people posting in our comment box asking for these, uh, you know, uh, techniques and so on and everybody a lot of users I can see they're really thanking uh, you know for the steps which they are really going to use and they mm -hmm. think that they are going to be really helpful for them uh, this one you know question I think so far we have been having questions uh, which are based on very users and uh, common individuals I have one question for you like you know in terms of you know understanding this perspective from a professional you know point of view I think a lot of uh, professionals who are watching our uh, you know podcast today they'll also you know develop this insight so what I practicing in India uh, clinical psychologists practicing in India we experience that whenever the first time 
uh, individual with porn addiction seek therapy. So the chief complaints, the, the issues with which they come are related to something else. I mean, either in terms of their, you know, mental health comorbidities, uh, feeling low, mostly, you know, feeling agitated, not able to focus, right? Uh, being Feeling very apprehensive, mm -hmm. right? Or they'll come with, uh, you know, uh, complaints like sleep disruption, not in getting enough sleep, uh, mm -hmm. sleep routine, the sleep-wake cycle is completely disrupted and so on. And as the, you know, progress I and mean, therapy progress and as uh, the interactions increase and then we find out that, you know, the root cause of this particular, you know, issue is somewhere else and it is porn addiction. So, you know, so individuals who come and seek therapy for porn addiction, it's not usually the first thing to report that, you know, I have this excessive use or consumption of pornography and hence I guess I really need to come out of it. What is the situation there in your place in America, in the US, how people how people come and report their difficulties, how, how I mean, clinically, how they present themselves? Yeah, I mean, I think like you just said, I all the time, especially for young or middle-aged males who come in with symptoms of depression and or ADHD, I always ask about porn use because I mean there there's been some surveys that I've done that that show that 90% of of men are consuming are consuming pornography with some regularity. So I mean this is it is a huge issue and and you know speaking about you for normalizing it I mean look around guys I mean especially I'm speaking to guys but um you know it's a problem for for women as well but look around and Chances are, whoever, what other, whatever other guy you're talking to, it's an issue for them as well, right? Um, so, um, but anyways, uh, so any guy that's having a mental health issue, that's having depression, that's having ADHD, or that's maybe having sexual problems uh, as well, you know, I always ask about about porn use, and I think it's something that more and more clinicians should ask about. Uh, another mm -hmm. common thing, and a very common thing that we see. Um, in mental health treatment is that antidepressants, one of the common side effects is sexual dysfunction, right? And so, uh, you know, you'll have somebody who has depression and, mm -hmm. you know, you start them on an antidepressant medication and they're like, well, you know, I do think, I do find I'm having trouble achieving an erection. And for most, for most, um, you know, doctors are like, oh, it's probably your antidepressant. You can take that away. Mm -hmm. But I always ask before that, I'm like, well, what's, tell me about your porn use, right? Because it is very sure. common for people to have trouble mm -hmm. sexually or to have trouble getting mm -hmm. an erection um, if they're, you know, using too much pornography as well. And I find a lot of times people are having mm -hmm. that side effect, not mm -hmm. from the medication, but from their porn use. Right. So I think it's also similar in your case where people are not coming and reporting that they have porn related issues, maladaptive behavior on the first interaction or on right. the first visit. I understand, definitely. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we are gradually moving on to the later part of this session when we want to take live questions from our uh, viewers. So before we have another question from our uh, you know, uh, pre-received questions, I would like to request all our viewers who are viewing us, who are watching us live, if you have any questions for Dr. Nissen, please put it out in the chat box and we'll try our best to address all your queries. Although we have a few questions coming in already, we'll scroll it up. But if you have any any, any other users want to leave any questions, uh, please feel free to do so. Dr. Nissen, I would want you to, you know, talk and uh, 
you know, uh, emphasize upon the role of, you know, taking counseling sessions, be it group therapy or individual therapy when it comes to porn addiction, because with the same amount of hesitation, they have this, you know, double mind, they have ambivalence, whether they need to go, whether they, you know, can handle themselves well. So what is your take on that, be it individual therapy or even group therapy? Yeah. Well, you know, therapy uh, kind of has a bad rap, right? And most people, when they think about therapy, they think about, you know, seeing on different movies, you know, you laying on a couch and talking about your childhood to a psychoanalyst, right? And that that's so different from what therapy is. Cool. Now we have, you know, if you go on social media, there's this whole, um, you know, community of, uh, or a whole kind of market of, of yes. self-improvement coaches, right? And like, um, yeah. success gurus, right? My God. And, yeah, but, I think you just hit on the bullseye. Yes, yeah. absolutely. My and, God, yes. and you know what? I mean, people like that people like, you know, tips mm. to succeed and to be better and to be, cool. you know, held accountable for your goals. And mm. so guess what therapy is? Therapy is a, six, a success coach, you know, that's, that's what I like to say to people, especially to guys who maybe would be a little bit more hesitant to go to therapy, but therapy is your own, you know, um, you know, life improvement coach or success coach, because it's somebody who you're going to talk about this issue with in a way that maybe you don't feel comfortable talking with your family, you know, with or, or your friends about, and then it'll be somebody that will hold you accountable. So a therapist can play a similar role to that sponsor, like I told you about, where they they know what your vulnerable environments are, they know what your triggers are. And then you check in with them. And you think, you know, oh, I have a therapy session this week. And like, I'm feeling really tempted right now. But I don't want to have to, you know, fess up to uh to having relapse so i think individual therapy is very important because you know it's a space for you to talk about this it's also a space if you're if you are having the other mental health um sort of struggles of having symptoms of depression or adhd or other things that you're concerned about you know it's a good space to bring that up in as well and to make sure that you're safe you know if you're feeling very depressed to where you might not be safe it's very important to be in therapy so you're checked in on so that's the role of individual therapy and then for group therapy i think it's similar to what you're seeing on blocker x and what you see in the nofap community which is that yeah. it's awesome to chat with other people i mean everyone that's here on the in the comments you know you're 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 interacting with other people that are in the same sort of uh, mm -hmm. struggle that you are and there's something really normalizing about that there's something really empowering uh, about mm -hmm. it so um you know i totally you know, recommend that you interact in a group therapy setting, whether that be a formal group therapy setting or whether that be informally, you know, in a, a group online, or maybe the best thing would be in person if there, if you have any friends or family also that um, want to meet up in person and, uh, and, and talk about this and support one another in recovery, uh, that can be really good. Right, right, right. Right. So, uh, Dr. Nissen, we have started receiving a lot of questions in the chat box. We'll try to finish as much as we can. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a question where one of the users have posted asking, can erectile dysfunctioning be reversed? Yes, it can absolutely be reversed. So, you know, there's a lot of different causes of erectile dysfunction. And a, lo a lot of people think of erectile dysfunction primarily in older men. Um, and that's because there are some real... Um, uh, some real biological risk factors later in life for developing erectile dysfunction, like due to like heart disease or, or different problems with your arteries or whatever, but more commonly in what's seen in pornography. 
is that it's from a psychological um, uh, origin. Yeah. So a psychologically caused erectile dysfunction can absolutely be reversed. Um, and the way to reverse it is to relearn basically your, your uh, sexual um, uh, sort of instincts in a, in a natural way with the, with the, you know, real person. Um, and so, yeah, it can, uh, it, it takes a bit of time. It takes a bit of training, uh, but it can absolutely, uh, be relearned and it may take some, you know, um, uh, some cooperation or some sort of planning together, not only with yourself, but with your spouse or your partner, or whoever to sort of, um, start to rebuild that, uh, you know, sexual regular sort of sexual stimulation. Mm -hmm. True, true, true. Mm -hmm. Right. So the another question is, what is the best way to transmute your sexual energy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really difficult question. You know, I, I mean, it's especially I, I hear a lot of men say that of, well, I have this energy and I have nowhere else to go, to go with it or put it. I mean, the, the best answer is in a relationship with another human being in a sexual relationship with another human being um in a healthy way right and so you know i i always challenge people that are struggling with pornography i challenge them to use things like dating apps you know and um you know hopefully you find a, a good partner and you find a committed long-term relationship not just somebody to diffuse your uh, you know your sexual energy onto because that can be very problematic but um you know we as humans are designed to procreate we are designed to uh to be sexual and that is okay right um it's just that um it's designed for that to happen in a natural you know interaction with the human being so i would say to get out there and to date the other thing though is that i'll say that your sexual you know, energy will feel a lot more manageable once you stop using pornography, because when you're in the midst of using pornography, you know, you look around in every single, you know, it may be that, that every single relatively attractive, you know, person is, is triggering you, right? Um, so as you remove some of those triggers from you, you might find that it's less, you know, overpowering for you. Um, so I would say, you know, cut back on the pornography and go out there, date, put yourself out there, get a committed relationship, be sexually active with another, you know, human being in a consensual and loving way. And you will find that your sexual energy is, you know, transmuted healthily. Right. So I think a lot of, you know, social skills will also help in, you know, the mm -hmm. recovery process and getting out of uh, porn addiction. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So we have uh, more of questions like someone, someone has uh, posted that if there is, uh, any does excessive masturbation lead to tremendous hair loss? That's a good question. Um, as far as I know, there's no robust evidence that that's the case. Mm -hmm. But what does cause hair loss is a um, a hormone that's related to testosterone levels, and there are transient increases in testosterone at the beginning phases of porn use, but. Um, I'm not aware of that being an issue for somebody that feels like um, they're having, you know, uh, hair loss that might be related to their porn use. Uh, it very well might be the case that it's in a sort of indirect way related to your porn mm -hmm. use, which is that you're spending more time indoors. And so you might have low vitamin D levels that is causing your hair loss. Additionally, it might be that you are, you know, getting out less, exercising less. And so having um, excessive um you know, having sort of an unhealthy diet, um, or having, um, an estrogen sort of creating, um, 
uh, sort of uh, diet might might be something that um, you know increases your risk. So that'd be my answer for that. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a question which says, uh, "What is the healthy limit to watching porn?" So that's a, a bit of a tricky question because, um, as a substance, just like any other substance, you know, you could say, "What is a healthy limit to using cocaine?" or "What is a healthy limit to using alcohol?" And well, the answer from a you know from a mental health perspective is usually as long as it doesn't cause um, problems in your life then maybe it's you know not unhealthy for you so for somebody that drinks alcohol but it doesn't cause you to have problems in your work life in your relationships in your uh you know kind of mental health and your you know self-esteem um then maybe it's not a problem for you but for a lot of people aside from porn as a substance porn is also an ethical question right or a philosophical question and they might feel that pornography itself is problematic unethical or um or that they're philosophically opposed yeah. to it so i would say that um uh you know if you're somebody that uh you know believes that porn is unethical at all then any amount of it would be uh not good right so uh i would say the healthy limit for somebody that that views porn as unethical would be zero Right, right. Uh, there was a concern posted. It's not exactly a question, but the individual has posted like being single or married for a very long time. Mm -hmm. It makes you think uh, in that way. So he has a series of like threads of messages. So basically, you know, that way in the sense uh, he was uh, mentioning about uh, exposure to the pornographic uh, material. So uh, do you have anything uh, to, you know, put an insight to this? Um, well, I think, uh, you know, it's really important in relationships to continue to cultivate that mm -hmm. and to recover. And like I said, it's going to involve both partners in that. Um, mm -hmm. But as far as uh, uh, from a for a single person, in, in what way do you do you mean? I don't, Sorry? I don't think I caught that uh, as far as for a single person. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is not exactly are. a question, but then, you know, uh, possibly the individual believes that, you know, being single or staying unmarried for a longer time could possibly, oh. you know, lead to exposure to pornography. Yeah. I mean, you know, you will have the, uh, if you're, if you're single or, or married for a long time um, mm -hmm. and you feel like you are, you know, not able to sexual energy i mean that that is a very common problem and it the reality is that humans for you know thousands of years were partnering at much earlier ages or younger ages than we are now and you know some people view that as progress um and some people uh disagree with that i think that there's probably a healthy age of you know an age of consent obviously you know of of being a full adult but also at the same time not having yourself you know be single uh into later into your life into your you know uh you know into your 30s or, or beyond i mean that you're gonna have to have a lot of years of having um you know uh either irregular or low sort of sexual interaction in a way that can be very challenging so yeah a lot of people this kind of goes back to the transmuting sort of question is that people uh if if they don't get in a relationship kind of earlier on in life, then they can be challenged right, to um, right. to avoid pornography. 
a lot of our users have posted like comments in terms of like their sufferings you know and it's a very good way that you know i think this was, this was also a very small attempt where people are you know sharing it's like a you know peer group a community you know kind of a thing while people are watching you live mm -hmm. and you know trying to relate to their experiences so there are a lot of people commenting upon their struggles of you know uh, struggling with social anxiety uh, struggling with uh, you know uh, managing one thing i guess uh, a lot of time people have repeated this question of not being able to manage time because you know uh, watching pornography masturbation takes along a lot of consume a lot uh, part of their day so they wanted to if you can just uh, you know uh, put some light on how an individual can plan a day ahead yeah well uh, so like i mentioned before idle time is devil's playground and so having idle time, having too much free time is going to increase your risk of using pornography. So, you know, trying to fill up your day as much as possible. The second thing is having vulnerable environments. So being at home or, you know, having a couple of drinks or something like that, um, you want to avoid your vulnerable environments. So that might be the case that especially now, you know, with pandemic and everyone kind of working from home, being at home, if you use pornography at home, then you want to avoid being at home with free time on your hands as much as possible. So you want to go to, you know, a library or a cafe or something like that to, to get your work done or visit a friend or go work at someone else's place. Um, so, uh, yeah, that those would be a, a couple of, of thoughts about that. Right. There's one more question. I mean, uh, um, I feel sorry for our users because of uh, the time constraint. I think we won't be able to cover all the questions. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe we'll try to, you know, communicate to them via text while you know replying to each of their queries post mm -hmm. this particular session. But one or two questions that I would just like to take is uh, how to get over urges to watch porn that occur particularly at night. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, I would say first of all recognize what is your vulnerable environment there and so for some people their their vulnerable environment or even their trigger might be just their bedroom because if you are using pornography always in your bedroom then as you walk into your dark room it's going to sort of you know come upon you of sort of this feeling of this is the environment that i use porn in right and so it may be the case that you have to change your environment that so one way to do that would be to change how your rooms arranged to make it feel different so move where your bed is change the lighting maybe paint the walls or, or put on new posters or something like that and it will feel um you know and then, and then try to maintain it like that now that it's a new space now that it's rearranged maintain that this is you know a porn free area that might help for you for some people it's more extreme and they feel like they need to move or uh, you know or change rooms within the house or something like that uh, that can be helpful so late at night you know if you find that your bedroom is vulnerable vulnerable environment or that it maybe even triggers you to use then you might think about how you change that up um, and then secondly I would say uh, try to make your bedroom an electronics free space so if you tend to use on your phone buy a physical alarm clock put it in your room and then take your phone and lock it somewhere else in your house put it in your in the kitchen or in the living room or whatever and uh you know making it impossible for you to use in that triggering environment can be really really helpful sure sure uh, one last question we'll take up for this session today uh does masturbation affect physical muscles or it affects stamina this is from one of the users. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, 
I'm not aware of there being any significant impacts. Like I mentioned before, there are, you know, brief increases in, um, in testosterone that happen in the beginning phases of, uh, you know, of, of sexual, uh, sort of stimulation, uh, but not to a significant degree, as far as I understand, as far as building muscles, um, or building stamina, the, what it the, the sort of stamina that it doesn't have a good impact on is your sexual stamina like i said it's very common for people to develop premature ejaculation uh, especially for for people who are using pornography and masturbating um and uh you know feel like they're either short on time or they're nervous about it or, or worried about somebody finding them they might be training themselves to get mm -hmm. stimulated to masturbate and to ejaculate very quickly and also because their actual interactions with another human being feel so uh different and alien it can sort of you know cause them to uh to ejaculate very quickly so um yeah i would say premature uh, ejaculation would be a, a, a form of low stamina that would be very common for people right 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 so thank you so much dr nissen and also very sorry to all our you know viewers we could not cover all your uh, you know questions but we assure you that we'll reply your reply to your questions individually and we'll definitely reach out to all your doubts and to all our viewers please keep uh, you know tuning into blocker x youtube channel you can keep subscribing it and you can you'll get notified for all other updates and you'll constantly be updated with all the new psychoeducative materials and new information and that's going to really help you in the future dr nissen thank you so much for sparing your time and coming up with this session it was such a pleasant time to have you with us for this session it was a very enriching experience for all our viewers and the best thing was you being in a profession where you could explain things in a way that every individual could relate to, could understand it in such an easy manner. I think that really helps all our users, all our clients. So thank you so much, Dr. Nisen, once again for having your time with us today. So thank you, Priyanka. Huge thanks to from on behalf of BlockerX. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be here and a pleasure to field all of your questions. I'm happy. Uh, I'll be interacting with you all. You'll see my comment there is Dr. Nissen. Um, you can follow me at, at Dr. Nissen, D-R dot N-I-S-S-E-N, um, or on Brain Health with Dr. Nissen podcast. And um, I'll, I'll be replying to your comments there. So you'll see me. And uh, yeah, it's really a pleasure, Priyanka. Great. Uh, yes, great yes. That would be, in fact, a great idea. You, all our viewers can also, you know, uh, subscribe to Dr. Nissen's uh, channel and you can, you know, have your questions directly watched there. So I think that would be a very amazing exchange of information and guidance, right? So thank you so much, all our viewers. And as we come to an end of this podcast of Understanding Porn Addiction, we are sure we'll come up with more in the coming time. Thank you so much and a great evening and a great day ahead from the Blocker XD. Thank you.